Well, good morning, Rich Fork. Today, uh, we are gonna be online. Matt Bryan is gonna be bringing the message to you today. I wanted to give you a couple quick announcements as we get ready for this Sunday morning's teaching. We are going to be online, as you can tell already, for this Sunday, April the 18th. Our plan is to be back in person on April the 25th for our worship services and our other ministries. We're also gonna take this week off as a reset. So nothing at the church as long as far as our ministries for this Sunday or during this upcoming week. Quite honestly, we've had several people uh, on staff who've had to be tested. A couple of staff members tested positive. Uh, and we also have several folks in our church who've been walking through the difficulties of some other stomach bugs and other issues that have been going on. And so we made the decision this week uh, to take best care of our staff and for our volunteers this week as we possibly could. So with that said, uh, in just a moment, Matt is gonna share a message with you for this week for April the 18th. Now, we also wanna go ahead and make sure that you guys know that signed up for Next Step Dinner that was supposed to happen this weekend. We let you know that's not happening this weekend. Instead, we are gonna schedule that for May 2nd, Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Uh, that means those of you who maybe could not have come on the 18th, you can reschedule and join us on the 2nd. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, in any way that you can. Again, that is just an opportunity if you're new to Rich Fork to get to know us, to know some of our staff, um, and just to spend some time with us. We look forward to that time on May 2nd. You can sign up online under our events. Also, our Rich Fork 101 and several other things are listed there. Some of those dates and things we may have to change this week, uh, but we will notify those of you who have signed up. But again, I want to thank you guys for praying for me and my family as we are at home uh, quarantined uh, from COVID and with COVID. And we, again, are thankful for your prayers and we continue to uh, look forward to getting out of our house and getting back in worship with you guys in person on the 25th. We look forward to that time together with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for this opportunity for us to worship together online. Thanks, Michael. We hope you and your family continues to feel better, as I'm sure you're sitting at home on the couch right now watching this message. Now, before we dive into the Word this morning, I'm going to pray before we get started, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you were in control, that you know everything that has happened and everything that is going to happen, and that your goal is to draw us closer to you, Father. Just guide our time this morning in your Word. Lead it to us changing to become more and more like you. Father, dear God, we just love you and we praise you and let my words be pleasing to you this morning. In your name, amen. All right, so I need to start with a story that's really about 10, maybe even 12 years old. Uh, I woke up one morning to my wife walking back in because uh, she had to leave early to take the kids somewhere. She walked back in, she went, my car is not starting. Now, historically for me, uh, my uh, anger point with cars is not great. I have this unrealistic expectation that they just magically work. You never have to fix them or do anything with them. But on this particular morning, my wife's car that was about 15 years old and almost 200,000 miles on it did not start. Well, luckily for that morning, it was just the battery. So I went that day, got a new battery, put the battery in. About three days later, she comes back in the door again and she says, my car won't start. We'll come to find out this time it's the alternator. So I went to the parts store, got an alternator, put it in the car, and it seemed to work fine for another day. 
then the next morning we wake up again and the car won't start again. Do a little bit of research, find out maybe the alternator's bad, replace the alternator yet again. The next morning we wake up, the car works. But later that afternoon, she is stranded once again as something within the powertrain of the car fails. So I end up having to get it towed to a mechanic. We get to the mechanic, we're sitting there, they're changing out parts, it's costing me money. And he comes back in, the mechanic does, and he says, hey, where'd you get this battery? And I tell him, I said, well, it's a refurbished battery. And he goes, ah. He said, yeah, the battery's no good. And that's what's been killing the alternators. So I have to put another battery in the car. I finally get home, think we've fixed the issue, and we go to bed that night. I think we're good. As we're waking up the next morning, my wife's about to leave, and I'm sitting in the kitchen, and I'm just have my hands on the counter waiting for something to go wrong with this car. And it does. One of the belts begins to disintegrate that is attached to the alternator, and it begins slamming against the hood of the car, just blap, 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 incredibly loud. So I sprint outside, tell her to shut the car off, and I'm sitting there looking at this car about to lose my mind because the thing just keeps breaking. So anyway, that ended up being my entire week. If I look back on that week, it was me and this car pitted against each other at war because this thing kept breaking over and over and over again. And I went to lunch later that day, that final day of the last breaking of that car as it's sitting there. I'm convinced that I'm just going to go home and blow the thing up. I'm done with it. I'm over it. And I'm eating lunch with my dad and we're sitting there and he goes, hey buddy, sorry you're having all those car problems, which at that point was the last thing I wanted to hear because I was just so frustrated. And then he just makes this real quick comment. He goes, yep, cars break. And we go on about lunch. Well, later that day, I'm sitting there and I'm really thinking through that comment he made because I overanalyze things a lot of time of yep, cars break. And I begin to put this in perspective. When you think about a car, it is destined to break. If I went out right then and bought a brand new car, I would have to continue to maintain it and fix it and then parts would wear out. They'd just continue to break. And over and over again, you would be sitting there fixing the car and fixing the car. That's just what happens with it until finally it is sitting in your driveway, not working, and you've got to deal with this big lump of metal that's completely useless killing all your grass, right? Well, when I start to think about that, all of a sudden I start to realize what's the point of being angry about something that you know is just going to break over and over again. And so I've done my best, even though it's irritating at times, to kind of change my mindset when it comes to cars because I have to understand that they're just going to break and me storming around my house for the entire week upset about it does no one any good. In fact, it really kind of disrupts me as a father and as a husband because I lose focus on the people in my house because I'm upset that the things are breaking. Now, I'll touch back to why I told you that story here in just a minute. But we as believers have a mission that God has put us on. That is to go into the world and make disciples. In fact, if you're reading that from the ESV in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as I stand here and we talk through this and we understand that we as a church have a mission, and the way we verbalize this command is to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. That's just kind of our rally cry. We know that this is the truth of Scripture and that's what we're set out to do. But I think one thing we need to keep an eye on and at least for me as an individual, and for you as we're sitting here processing through this, is how are we doing that? How is it that we are to go into the world and make disciples? And that's really what I want us to evaluate this morning, not as a whole church, 
but for us as individuals. In what way are we going to make disciples? Because here's the thing. We live in a broken world. We do. The world is a very, very messed up place. And just like that car that continued to break, the world continues to break. And I think a lot of times we get distracted by that and we lose sight of the fact and the knowledge that as long as you and I are on this earth, we are going to be surrounded by a broken world. In fact, when you look in scripture at this concept of the world, it's a Greek word called cosmos. And all throughout the New Testament, this word is used. And what it describes, and if you look at the definition of it, it's really the inhabitants of man. It's the place where humanity exists. And now let's put this in a practical understanding. For you and me as believers, we know that every single human is a broken, sinful person. Ever since the fall, humanity has been sinful. And when you take humanity and put us all together and we deal with pride and ego and sinfulness and the darkness and the natural sinful nature that we have and that all combines, how else could it end up but being a broken and dark place? And so that's the reality of the world we exist in. And stay with me, okay? If you're a positive, peppy person, then, then we're going to get to a positive point here in a minute. But there does have to be the acknowledgement. Just like in my story where I was uselessly losing my temper over the car, you also can't just continue to get beat down by the fact that the world is a dark place, that the world is a broken place. But here's what we also know. Scripture tells us that we are not of the world, that this is not our home. In fact, in Philippians 3.20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at where we're at right now. We, as believers, are not citizens of this world. We are aliens on this planet, in this strange place, so to speak. And we are sent here by God, and we live our earthly lives in a place that is going to continue to be dark and broken. And that's one of the things that I try to do often, as I try to not be shocked when darkness is dark, right? See, there's a lot of times for me, I think what happens is I go through seasons where all of a sudden I feel like everything's going well, and I forget that I live in a broken world. And then you'll have these moments where you feel like, oh no, the world has changed drastically and bad things are suddenly happening. And what is this world coming to? And the reality is the world hasn't changed. It's just that your awareness of it has. So all of a sudden you'll see something, you'll hear something, you'll read something, and you'll be aware of, oh no, the world is a broken place. And so we as believers have this commandment, and I believe we have this desire that we want to go and change the world. We want to heal it. We want to make it a better place. We want it to be good and just. And so we get very, very passionate about changing the world. And so then we try to figure out how and we begin to take action steps towards changing the world. But there's something I want to dive into this morning. A lot of times, here's where I think we, we lose track. Here's where I think we get off base. I think a lot of times we attempt to change the world by following the world's method for change. We attempt to move forward and change the world by doing what the world tells us to do to change it. And that doesn't work. You see, Scripture not only gives us the command to go into the world and make disciples, it also gives us the method. And so we as the church and as believers a lot of times, 
we can get very, very passionate, very, very dialed in on something or one particular thing or a group of things that is wrong with the world. But then we try to take the world's method for changing it. But we're told within Scripture that we don't do the world's method to change things. We follow God's method. And it says in Romans 12, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to this pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, within this passage in Romans, it says that we are to be transformed and renewed within our mind. We're not to follow the pattern of the world. We're to follow the pattern that God set out for us. Because God gives us the mission, He also gives us the how behind it, that we need to renew our minds to become focused on Him. So as we dive in more in Scripture, and we need to understand, so how is it that we as believers need to actually step in and change the world? If we're not following the world's pattern, we're following God's pattern, well, what's the world's pattern and what's God's pattern and how do we differentiate the two and do that? And the big passage I want to dive into is actually in Matthew. It's in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, and it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we are to be salt and light. That's a very popular verse. You've heard it many times. But let's really think through this verse for a minute, because this is a verse I've wrestled with. until, And this week, there was kind of like something clicked, and it suddenly made sense. If we are to be salt and light to the world, that means we are not to look or act the way the world acts. We're salt. We're supposed to be a different flavor. We're supposed to be something that rises up, that elevates, that brings people up. We're supposed to be light, and light and darkness cannot coexist. When the light comes on, the darkness vanishes. It no longer exists. And so when we as believers maybe even take a good scriptural point but try to change the world or change people the way the world does, it actually doesn't work because then we become conformed to the world's method of doing so. Because when I look around and I go, how is the world telling me I need to bring about positive change? Well, the world tells me is I need to make a statement. I need to look at the system overall and I need to take a stand. I need to put that bumper sticker out there. I need to post this on Facebook to show support. I need to say and do all these things. And when it really comes down to it, I need to go after the them that doesn't think or believe that way. And it becomes this very impersonal kind of word-based action where it's me telling other people what they do wrong, right? I mean, that's what we're told is the world's method of what we need. We need to take a stand and let those people over there know that they're wrong. And you see that on multiple sides within the world. It happens over and over again throughout history. 
you have these people protesting these people, and all they're doing is sitting there holding signs, flying flags, screaming back and forth at each other. And what it does is it just divides even further. It creates more anger, and we completely lose the ability to actually bring about positive change. But then we look at the biblical method. The biblical method is not that we just make a blanket statement and throw it out there to the world. It's not that we become angry that the world is broken. It's not that we try to change the system overall that will then force people to change. By changing the rules, you don't change the heart, right? By changing a policy, it doesn't lead to somebody's heart being changed. Instead, the role of the believer to make true change within the world is to introduce individuals to the person of Jesus Christ. That's how we are salt and light. So let me stay at a different way. If I'm going to give you a stop and a start, like an action and something else, let me put it to you in these terms. Stop trying to change the world on, God, on the world's terms and start rescuing people from a broken world. You see, the reality is, is the world is a broken place. It's a place where there's pain and there's difficulty and there's agony and, and all these things that we have to experience that are so very, very negative. But instead of trying to change this thing that's a combination of all the sinfulness of man and it's just slammed together, the only way you actually change that is to change man. And if you're going to change man, you have to change individuals. And if you're going to change individuals, you have to build relationships and get to know them. And you have to escort them into the throne room beside you who is also broken. And you're going to go on that journey with them. And what that is called is discipleship. So this is where this challenge really comes in this week. If you want to be a catalyst in changing people and reshaping this world into what we have been called for it to be, then you have to stop focusing on the darkness of the world and trying to fix it and start rescuing individuals from it. Now, here's where it gets really tough. Because the easy thing to do is just to post about it, just to scream it from the sidewalk, just to make a sign and hold it up, just to let someone else know, I disagree with you, or say, no, I don't think that way. Or maybe it's even, you, you can tell them a truth of Scripture, but you use it in kind of attacking ways. So you'd be like, no, the Bible says, da-da-da, you're wrong. That's the easy way to do it. You want to know why? Because you can do all those things, walk away, and never talk to those people again. In a lot of cases, those people aren't people you ever do face-to-face. -face. There's this miscellaneous conglomeration of humanity out there that's working against you. The hard thing to do is to step into someone's life and walk beside them to bear their burdens, to be broken over them. And you know what? Maybe that's a sign, if you need a litmus test right now, of your efforts to reach people for the gospel, to make a positive Christian change in the world, maybe this is your litmus test. Are you angry about it, or are you broken over it? Because that's a big difference. You see, the Bible references one time about being angry over sin as far as at telling us to be angry over sin. But when it tells us to be angry over sin, it's angry over our own sin. Everywhere else, when you look at the existence of a Christian or a follower of God who is encountering the sinfulness of the world and it's us, you see brokenness, sadness, heartache, and this desire that we have to rescue people out of it. 
Stop trying to change the world on the world's terms and start rescuing people from the world by introducing them to the person of Jesus Christ. The beautiful thing about it when we do it God's way is this, that it's not us taking a chance to see if it works. It's a promise that it will work. Because look in 1 John 4, 4. Dear children, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, the victory has already taken place in Jesus. He has already dealt with the sins of the world. He has already justly taken the place of all of the brokenness that exists in the world. And so the only thing left to do is not fight against the overall existence of darkness in the world. Well, actually it kind of is, but not just by doing it the world's way. It's by rescuing the people from the world. And that's our mission. So for you this week, I don't know what that looks like. For you, it might need to be a mind reset. You need to go through your phone. You need to look at apps that make you focus on the darkness and these one-off issues or these places where you get to engage in conversation and it's with the, the miscellaneous they out there, the, the, the media posts, whatever it is. Maybe you need to go through your phone and go, you know what? I need to focus on the individuals in my life that I need to introduce to Christ instead of all the hoopla that's out there. So take your phone and just start deleting apps. Get rid of them. Don't watch that channel anymore. Don't check it out. Just really change over the way you're processing and looking at things. Pick up the Word of God. Start praying for the people in your life that you need to know Him. Because that's the how of how God wants to accomplish this mission. Now my prayer this week for you, as I'm going to say here in a minute, is that each of you will have one opportunity to engage personally with the brokenness of the world in a way where you get to be salt and light to the world. Because when we engage the world in the world's method, salt loses its taste. When we see the darkness of the world and we go, no, 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 I just don't want to talk about it, the light is hidden. And that is not what we are called to do. We are to be salt and light into the world. And the question not is, what are you going to do about it? The question is, who are you going to reach this week? Let me pray for you, church family. Father, we thank you for our time together. As I ask, I pray that the words and your message are what you desire, Father. Dear God, this week, I pray for moments and clarities and opportunities for us to be a light, to be salt, and us to make a personal connection with someone that needs to be drawn closer to you. Guide us as we go this week. And we love you and praise you in your name. Amen.